are in the USA or planet Earth, welcome to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. On today's program, we're going to expose the hidden works of darkness, and we're going to shine the bright or brilliant uh, light of God's truth as we analyze current events and situations both globally and in the United States. The first thing I want to talk about is the overall arching concept or thought or understanding, and those are just some of the synonyms I could use to describe today's topic. The Let's call it the architecture, understanding the architecture of the world system. Most people have no clue. Now, I remember uh, speaking and writing on the topic of a one-world economic system, a one-world government, a one-world religion, in depth, in detail, 40 years ago. You can see it on the copyright dates of my books that dealt with that subject. And even, you know, 20 years ago and more, um, I wrote a book, uh, you know, I've written 46 books. One of the books uh, was The Day the Dollar Died. And people ripped off the cover art and, and put it on their own stuff. But that's, that's another story in itself. The Day the Dollar Died, where I taught, I, people are just beginning in the United States. The vast masses of people are absolutely clueless. They're in a trance state. And then the so-called big conservative media, you and I together are looking at them. And it's becoming real obvious, isn't it? Who's on the take? And who's the real deal? It's interesting with this whole Tucker Carlson situation. It it created an upheaval at Fox and an upheaval in the media. And the upheaval uh, kind of blew away all the uh, illusions that we have about people and networks. And we see who's in it just for the money and doesn't give a blank about you and me or America. And who's in it because. They want to see uh, America, the best of America, restored. Because after all, this happens to be a fact, by the way. After all, the American way, the American system, the American laws, however imperfect. Yeah, we got it. We got it. We both agree America is not perfect. But neither are you. Neither am I. No system is perfect. So you have to choose. It's simply a logical progression which you can undertake if you choose to use your mind. Now, if you choose to be a punch-drunk dummy, maybe we should title the program Punch-Drunk Dummies. I don't know. I don't know if that's a good idea or, or, or what. I, I like to take risks. But so many of the people that you and I know, and I'm not trying to be disparaging because I'm not naming their names, they act like they're punch-drunk dummies. And for those of you, for those few of you that don't know what that is, most of you do, a punch-drunk dummy is somebody like in a prize fight uh, or a world ch- a championship or, or, or some kind of fist fight in which uh, one person pummels the face of another with his or her fists, and they get hit so many times that they're kind of like not all there because they, they've really been injured, uh, perhaps even have a concussion, and so they act like they're drunk. And, and, and they're incapacitated. They're like, they, can't, they have no cognitive abilities. They can't think. So thus the, the slang term, punch drunk dummies. They've been punched so many times that, that their brains aren't working. And therefore, they're dummies. That, that's like worse than stupid. Now, why would a Christian... I'm not going to let go of this. I've been doing this a long time. I've invested my life. I've devoted my life to communicate the truth so that people would be set free and proclaim and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that people can be set free for all eternity. I've been doing this for decades, and believe me, I didn't do it for the money. If you want to get rich, unless you just happen to be some superstar television evangelist or something, this is not how you get rich. But money was never my motivation. My motivation has always been singular laser-like in focus, strategic, and, and targeted. And by targeted, I'm talking in, in the terms of peaceful, law-abiding activities. I'm not, there's no hidden militarism in my comments. 
And my singular focus has been to to drive back the darkness that has engulfed America, to, to warn God's people and to warn people to wake up before it's too late and to expose the darkness with the truth of God's word from a biblical worldview and the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. That has been my singular focus. And that's what energizes me and keeps me doing what I do. Because I work so many hours per day, per week, or whatever. It's ridiculous. But you see, I don't consider it work. Because I'm doing what God called me to do. And when you're doing what God called you to do, you're like, you're like one with God. I'm not saying I'm God, but you're, you're like one with God. It's like that famous movie you may have seen, which is a great movie. You ought to see it. Chariots of Fire. And Chariots of Fire is a story of uh, these guys in England going back, I guess, to the World War I era, something like that. And anyway, one guy was like, I think his name was Eric Little, I think. And he, 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 they were running for the Olympics, uh, for, for Great Britain in the Olympics. And this guy loved Jesus. And, and, and after the Olympics, after he got all these gold medals and stuff, and the whole world knew who he was, he, he, he left Great Britain and went to China to be a missionary and preach the gospel. But, but the difference between him and all the other uh, athletes running and training were that the other athletes, their deep, deep inner motivation was either future monetary gains to be famous, to to authenticate oneself, to, to, to affirm oneself psychologically by accomplishing something like winning a gold medal. And so, in contrast with this guy who became a missionary, his ultimate goal was to please and do the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was his singular focus. Everybody else was trying to get their psychological needs met or be famous or eventually make money or some, some other thing. So he had the advantage over the other athletes, and these guys were really, really good. But he had the advantage over them because what made him run was his love for God. You see, it wasn't about him. It wasn't about anything else but doing the will of God and pleasing Jesus Christ and winning people to Christ and being a light for Christ in this world. And and so the other teammates would look upon him like like perplexed and, and jealous and stuff because they couldn't they couldn't get inside his head. They couldn't figure him out. And then one day he his credit for his team, for Great Britain, uh for himself, they scheduled a a very important race on a Sunday. And this was back, you know, in the days of World War I, society was different. But anyway, he, his entire career, his, his gold medals are all on the line. And he gives them all up, and he, and he goes to his coach, and he goes before the board of the Olympics, and he says, I can't run in the race on Sunday because that's the Lord's Day, and that's the day I'm in church worshiping the Lord and reading the Word of God. And so he... he Gave it up. Now, I forgot exactly, and he paid a big penalty. And I forgot the, the, particular, the particulars of everything that happened, except to say, despite the fact that he couldn't win that race because he couldn't participate in that race because of his religious beliefs, when the day was won, he was the most celebrated Olympic athlete from Great Britain in track and field and running, and he won a bunch of gold medals, and his, all, his name was known throughout the world. That's how successful he was. But then at the height of his success, it wasn't all that long, he left everything to become an unknown missionary of the gospel of Jesus Christ to go to China, where in remote areas where his name meant nothing. He gave it all up for Jesus Christ. So you see, the point is, that what really motivates you at the core of your being, not what you pretend motivates you, not what you say to other people what your motivation is, 
Because sometimes, let's be honest, we, we all are guilty of this. Sometimes we fool and deceive ourselves. We convince ourselves that the reason we're doing whatever we're doing is for these noble reasons, when in reality, our, our, our reasons may be impure. Now, that, I want to say something about that. If you had to be 100% pure in order to be used by God, guess how many people there would be doing the will of God? Zero. Zero. None. Nada. You could be called of God in the secular world, in, in the so-called religious world, in, in any endeavor. And you're not perfect yet. No one is perfect yet. The Apostle Paul was not perfect yet. He was trusting God by faith to perfect him. And in actuality, if you want to look at it theologically, you do not fully become perfect. The process begins down here on earth when your sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, by faith, and when you invite Jesus Christ into your life and you become born again and a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. That's where your journey to perfection is. Now, on a theological basis, all of your sins, the moment you receive forgiveness by faith from Jesus Christ and invite Christ into your life and become born again, on a theological basis, you are completely cleansed of all sin. Theologically, you are cleansed before God. You have become perfect. But the physical materialization of that reality or that fact is not completely, let's say, birthed or manifested yet. That full completion, where you become completely like Christ and completely one with Christ, that deal is not fully finalized until you die or are taken up into heaven. So the moment you die, in, in less than a nanosecond, you're in the presence of the Lord with a brand new glorified body, and you are sinless, positionally. So theologically, you become sinless. But it does not, it doesn't fully, it's not fully activated until you die and are born again. Well, excuse me, first you're born again, and then you die. Or if you happen to be alive when the Lord returns for his own, and you're supernaturally rescued from the earth. Um, you are in a sinless condition, assuming you are, are born again. So the key here, the key thing here is that what is your inner motivation? What drives you? What, what, what is it that motivates you? What is it that grips your heart and soul? What is it that causes you to be focused and centered on any given thing? That's your inner motivation. That's what makes you tick. You can call it whatever you want. We can play word games all day long. But the root issue is, what is it that is the core of your being? Or actually, we could put it this way, which is probably far more accurate. Who is your real God? Let me ask you that question today. Wherever you are listening to me, Paul McGuire, I want to ask you this question directly, and I want you to think about it now. I want you to think about it when I, when I ask it in a couple of seconds. And here's the question. What is, who is, and what is your real God? Who is it that you really worship as God? Not, not who you say you worship as God, but in the depth and the core of your being, who is it that you're worshiping, or what is it that you're worshiping as God? And the fact of the matter is, and this is part of the great spiritual warfare that we're in right now in America, you know, the political realm is vitally important. It is critical for Christians to be involved, to be involved in school boards and everything else. It is critical, and there's no excuse for not participating in the uh, election process, because it may not change everything, but it certainly has the power to affect and spread love and goodness and light. To, to it's not it's not God it's not salvation but it is a in terms of a percentile it is it is an, a necessary and essential participation for Christians because if Christians who have the light of the Lord in their hearts don't get involved in the political process that leaves those that hate God to control the political process and look around you right now in America and Europe etc cetera, etc cetera, look around you 
and look at the nightmare. And that when I use the word nightmare, you and I both know that I'm not embellishing or magnifying the situation at all to, to be theatrical. You and I both know in our guts, you and I know both know in our heart of hearts that America is is entering some and the world is entering some kind of nightmarish reality that is if you really study the facts and the data, which I have for decades, this, this is not about giving into a spirit of fear, but you have to be able to deal with the truth. There is a nightmare world known as the global reset that is planned and moving quickly into being assembled by the world's globalist elite at the wealthiest individuals on planet Earth. That mere 1% of the human population of planet Earth, just 1%, the globalist elite, control all of the wealth and control all of the people on planet Earth. Just that 1% known as the globalist elite are, are the masters of planet Earth, at least temporarily. And then the other 99% of the population, that includes you and I and the working class and the middle class, we are and nobody ever preached on this. We are, in a sense, slaves in their world system, which they stack all the cards against us. And that is not to produce a non-biblical attitude of fatalism. So the question is, who is your real God? Because, you see, this is, what, this is the only thing that matters. And if you are really worshiping—see, Christians in America love to say— I, I, I'm worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't have any false, I'm not worshiping any false gods. But in America, we worship all kinds of false gods. And many of our false gods, that we just gave them scientific sounding names and stuff. But they're just the same old pagan gods and the ancient pagan statues of Moloch and Baal and Ashtaroth, etc., etc., that people would sacrifice their children to these these uh, statues of the false gods going back thousands of years in human history. So we, we don't like to call it for what it is, but when we, in the core of our being, are truly worshiping false gods such as personal peace, you know, like my personal peace, your personal peace, is the most important thing in your life. That's worshiping a false god. So you're worshiping the gods, the false gods of personal peace, prosperity, making money, being promoted. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But when that's your central focus, it becomes a false god. So you're worshiping the false god of prosperity, personal peace, prosperity, and you know your own self-preservation self. That becomes your god. Those are false gods. That's what is warned about in Deuteronomy 28. I, I write this in all my books. I just, it, it's one foundational truth after another from book to book until I finally reveal what the Pilgrims and Puritans were trying to do with America. And the Pilgrims and Puritans, they pleased God. And how did they please God? They intensely believed in the relationship between God and his people in the Old Testament and the New Testament. They took it seriously, especially the covenant or contract written about in Deuteronomy 28. Now, admittedly, in the Christian culture, there has been a horrible abuse of Deuteronomy 28 and many other biblical truths. And the abuse is false doctrine, which teaches you the lie that God makes everybody rich. And if only you had just enough faith, you should be super rich, super healthy, super, you know, everything's great. And if you have any trials or, or if you're struggling financially or whatever, that somehow it, it has got to be your fault that you don't have enough faith or whatever, that is a lie. That's what you call heresy. And that's really worshiping the golden calf. Because the golden calf, and I've stood by it, at least the the... the remodeled golden calf is prominently in front of a skyscraper in the Wall Street financial district of Manhattan, New York City. And you can you can stand right there and there's this giant golden calf. And that golden calf represents it's not just a bullish market. The golden calf represents 
the ancient pagan god of Baal, from which we get the word bull from, Baal. So a bull market, going back thousands of years, is connected to the false god Baal. And the the lie that was perpetuated for thousands of years is that if you will worship the false god Baal and and sacrifice human lives, children or whatever, on the altars of Baal, then Baal will supernaturally prosper you, which is a lie. God will supernaturally prosper you, not if you're going to worship idols such as the idol of money. You know, sex, money, self, all that stuff, they can become false gods. They can become false gods. So the the core of America's problem is not, we've got to get this straight in our heads and hearts. The root cause of our problems in America is not the Republican Party. It's not the Democratic Party. It's not this group. It's not that group. The root cause of all of the problems in America is that we, the children of God, first and foremost, we, the children of God in America, have broken and have violated the covenant that God has made with his people, written about all through the Bible and written about very succinctly in Deuteronomy chapter 28. This right here, what I'm going to read you, you've heard me read it before, but this transcends economics. It transcends any economic theory. It transcends capitalism, communism, Marxism. It transcends all of this because this is this principle here that I'm going to read to you is the principle that the pilgrims and Puritans used when they first came to America in the 1600s. And it is the reason the American dream was born. It's a reason, it's the reason why America became the wealthiest, most prosperous, most freest nation in human history. The root reason for all those blessings upon America was the fact that the pilgrims and Puritans, their primary focus, their primary God, well, their only God, was the true God, the God of the Bible. And they sought to emulate the covenant that God made with the Jews in Deuteronomy 28. So let me read you the beginning of it. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. That's exactly what God did with America and God did with ancient Israel when America and ancient Israel were truly serving the Lord and not worshiping idols. And then it says, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And then there's a long list. Now, hear me clearly. There's a long list of financial blessings, agricultural blessings, blessings of defense from your enemies. God's blessing is poured out on his people, according to Deuteronomy chapter 28. In, in all the practical, materialistic, physical, and spiritual ways. This, this covers every aspect of life, your job, your inheritance, retirement, medical care, whatever. It's an all-encompassing covenant, but it is conditional. It is conditional. Just because God promises his people this covenant, God's people have to fulfill their part of the covenant in order for God to activate or release the covenant in Deuteronomy 28 upon Christians in America and around the the world. And and, And the key that opens the door to the blessings that made America the greatest and freest nation on planet Earth was that you have to diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God or the Word of God. You have to not just obey the Word of God, you have to diligently obey the Word of God. So it's conditional. And you have to observe all of his commandments, all of his teachings in his Word, not just pick and choose your favorites. And if you do these things, if you obey the Word of the Lord, if you endeavor to do the Word of God, then God says he will set you high above all the nations of the earth. You'll be supernaturally raised up. And then all these blessings 
are described. That's the covenant. Now, you go about halfway through Deuteronomy chapter 28, and then it tells you that if you start to break the covenant with God, if you worship false gods of any kind, if you stop doing what the Word of God is commanding us to do, you're violating the covenant. And then there's a whole meticulous list of cursing and destruction and sickness and disease and, and victories from the enemy and, and just, just completely the curses of the earth and the spiritual realm are allowed to come upon God's people and afflict God's people. Now ask yourself the question, why are we in this crisis zone in America? I explain this principle in my books, especially Power from on High, which you need to get, and The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind, and A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and Volume 2, and The Matrix, and The Day the Dollar Died. I, I open this principle up. I've spent a, a lifetime digging into the truth of God's Word, and the Lord, by His grace, allowed me to discover some of the secret principles by which God constructed this earth and this universe and this world, and the reality of how supernatural forces are behind many of the materialistic problems that we face. So when we look at the long list of crisis problems in Europe, in the world, and in America, any thinking person would come to the conclusion that it looks pretty hopeless. And yes, it does look pretty hopeless if you are merely looking, assessing, and analyzing all these situations from a merely human perspective and from a merely human uh, understanding of power and energy and money and spiritual power, etc. If you're looking at the landscape of our physical reality world, through mere human eyes and mere human intellectual power, you won't really understand or have a revelation of the big, big picture. And God wants you today to step forward onto the pathway of his light, truth, knowledge, and understanding so that once you get knowledge, which is power, but it's not just any kind of knowledge, it has to be the knowledge of God's Word. Once you begin to walk on the pathway of the knowledge of God's Word, the Bible says, listen carefully, that God is trying to speak to you now. It's not your imagination. You can hear the still, small voice of the Lord speaking to you. So pay attention and listen. The Lord is speaking to you, and he's trying to give you a revelation of one of the primary principles of this reality that we live in. And we, and we have to understand that when we have knowledge of God's Word, and you've got to study and meditate and think about God's Word in order for us to get knowledge of God's Word, when you have knowledge of God's Word, which is sadly lacking in Christians and the Church today, when you have knowledge of God's Word, guess what? The Bible says knowledge is power. So when you have knowledge of God's Word, that knowledge gives you spiritual power. Now, this, I believe, is a revelation the Lord gave me decades ago. I didn't arrive at it because I'm such an intelligent guy or I'm so brilliant. I arrived at it through the grace of God, unmerited favor. God, by His grace, revealed this to me. So I could share this principle with his people through this ministry so that his people might be set free from a coming captivity in the form of the illusion of a, of a great reset and the coming of a slave-like planet Earth plantation with a one-world government, a one-world religion, and a one-world economic system. But these principles from God's word overrule it. What the Pilgrims and Puritans discovered in their time in America was that if they truly worshipped the real God, the biblical God, and if they truly endeavored to obey the Word of God and to do all that He commanded them to do, that, that, that God would supernaturally, not just naturally, naturally means you, you, you make it happen through your own blood, sweat, and tears. And God absolutely does re, uh, reward hard work. And God does reward blood, sweat, and tears. And I'm not sure about every kind of blood. I mean, when, when righteous blood is being spilled, like God doesn't honor that. 
but the sweat and tears of your toil will produce blessing. But there's a better way, and it's not a magical way. It's when you sync up with the principles of God's Word. If you seek the Lord and worship the Lord God as the only true God and obey His commandments, you will open the doors for God to pour out His supernatural blessing upon you, your nation, your community, your family, your life. And so you will be supernaturally blessed. That means the good things that come into your life, if you're humble and honest enough, you recognize that even though you're tempted to think, oh, I accomplished this all by myself, which is a delusion, the fact of the matter is you are in a good position and God is helping you in areas where you need help because you are seeking the Lord and worshiping only the true biblical God as your source. The biblical God is your source. And that was the secret behind America's success. The moment America began to reject and desert God and God's word and God's ways and the moment America. I mean, I remember it as clear as yesterday. I write all about this because I was there. I was there at the turning points in history as a teenager in the 60s. And there was a revolution in America, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But there was a deeper revolution in America in the 60s and 70s. There was a truly, it was an antichrist revolution where the people, especially the young people, we rejected the biblical God. We rejected the biblical commandments. We, we said in our stupidity that we ourselves are God. And that was the beginning. Make no mistake about it. You can't point the finger at the Democrats and the liberals or the Republicans or the rhinos or this group or that group. Every time you point at these secondary causes, I'm not saying they don't have enormous importance, but they're not the bottom line. Every time you point at these other things and say, well, that's the reason America is going to hell in a handbasket. No, that's not completely honest. The reason America is in crisis, the number one reason, and the same with the European Union and many other nations, the number one reason is this, that we have forsaken the true God. We are worshiping false gods. We are practicing the ways of the pagans. We worship idols and we do idolatrous things. In other words, all hell is breaking loose in America, the EU, and globally. And ultimately, it's not Bill Gates' fault or this person's fault or that person's fault. I mean, everybody's responsible for what they do. Don't get me wrong. But the root, root problem in the spiritual battle is the disobedience of God's people specifically Christians in the church, where we're beginning in the 60s, even if that was, you know, way before you were born, beginning in the 60s, America began to worship false gods, and we invited massive curses to plague our nation. And so at this very moment, you and I could probably list just off the top of our heads, 25 different crisis areas, crisis points that America's in. But the, but the really only lasting and effective way out, the really only way out that promises deliverance and rescue and salvation and help, is if you and I individually return in, our, in the privacy of our own hearts, we return to worshiping the biblical God and endeavoring to obey the word of God. The moment we do that, we start to gain knowledge. Knowledge is power. And then, as Jesus Christ said, to his disciples, tarry in Jerusalem until the Father sends you power from on high, which is the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, until the Father clothes you with power from on high, the dynamite dunamis power of God. That is the secret weapon of the church and true Christians. But if we're not using the spiritual weapons and the supernatural power that God has placed at our disposal because we're worshiping false gods, then we can't blame God for for the crisis zone that we've entered. Okay, you need to go to paulmcguire.us, spread that link far and wide. We're under all attack. I'm getting constant threats now from, from social media platforms like Google and others. And they don't ever even give you a specific reason why, but they're, they're trying to shut us down and kick us off their platforms permanently. But they won't give you a specific reason 
of, of, of what you did. So how can you fix it or even attempt to fix it if you feel it's valid? How can you how can you abide by guidelines which are not even listed? It's 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 a it's a it's a game. It's a hustle. And so I'm not going to name the names of other people, but many of the people that you respect and like like as as leaders and Christians they may not be talking about it, but they're under attack. They're being threatened to be pulled off social media, et cetera, et cetera. I heard from one guy today. Many of you know who he is. And my ministry, Paul McGuire Ministries, Paradise Mountain Church, is under attack. You know, freedom of religion means the right to speak openly about religion, including the use of technology. Freedom of press, the same thing. Freedom of speech, the same thing. So we have non-constitutional laws attacking us. That's because. The root of the problem is this. Christians are not participating uh, righteously in the political process. And we've got to rectify the central core problem, which is we have to repent of worshiping false gods and idols and go back to worshiping the biblical God. The minute we do that, the nanosecond we do that, you will... Let, let, let me tell you something. Okay, I've been walking with the Lord for a long time. A long time, baby. I was an atheist, a radical in the counterculture, uh, an existentialist, a secular humanist who hated God. And I was miraculously saved. And so I've seen many seasons of God moving in America and across the world and have participated in many of these seasons with my ministry. And whenever God's people started to repent and return to him, and that means, you know, you and I doing that as individuals, that would release God to bless, to deliver, to heal, to protect us, to keep our enemies on the run rather than being hunted down like dogs. On that note, I want you to visit paulmcguire.us and spread. You want to see America change? You've got to deal with reality. And the only way to deal with reality is you've got to deal with the truth. Visit paulmcguire.us, spread the link. And we'll be back in a second. This is Paul McGuire. So right now we're in a crisis zone with prophetic implications for America and the world. In other words, Bible prophecy is being fulfilled. I constantly hear people communicate with me through various forms of communication. And they're constantly, there's a very large number of people because, you know, I've been ministering publicly for a long time. And by the grace of God, over the decades, I've reached millions and millions of people, and that's not an exaggeration. That's, that's an understatement because of the grace of God and the different doors and platforms the Lord has opened up for me to preach his message, to communicate Bible prophecy, and to win people to Jesus Christ. Because you see, at the heart of what I'm doing is I'm a minister, not just a talk show host, not just a TV commentator, stuff like that, not just an author. I'm a minister, I'm a Bible teacher, and I'm an evangelist, and my method of evangelism is obviously I I want to be effective, and in order to be effective, I have to be strategic. This ministry has to be strategic in its evangelism efforts. That means we try to think out of the box, and with the resources that we have, we um, we're unorthodox. We we don't play it safe. We try to grab people's attention by not being predictable. People. You know, and I know, we live in a sophisticated society that has gone through massive changes. And if you want to get people's attention, you're going to have to compete with all the other things in their life that are hollering for their attention. That's the only way we can win the battle for the hearts and souls of mankind. That's why I wrote my book called The Greatest Battle. So this ministry has been birthed through a series of miracles. In addition, what I'm about to say should not be misconstrued as self-aggrandizement or boasting, because that's not the intention. But there are two kinds of people who use public media platforms and uh, communication platforms. There's two kinds of people. There are the secular people, so maybe there's three kinds of people. Secular people who use platforms, Christians who use platforms, and then people whose primary purpose in using platforms, whose primary purpose 
is to accomplish the call of Jesus Christ and to win souls for Jesus Christ. And so it's not an embellishment or an exaggeration when I tell you I, I was supernaturally, literally supernaturally called by God's grace, unmerited favor. I was supernaturally called by God to evangelize, to minister, to teach his word throughout the world, throughout the United States. And it's a supernatural call of God. It's, a, it's what the Bible calls a ministry gift. I'm not just a Christian who's a secular or, or conservative commentator. I, I get involved in those areas, but the end game is always the same. It's to connect it to the deeper truth, which is the truth of the reality of the biblical God, the Creator, and then teaching Bible prophecy. I remember before I, I had already begun my ministry, this is decades ago, I'd already begun my ministry. I'd written a number of best-selling books on the New Age movement and, and other stuff, and prophecy. And I remember, you know, the Northridge earthquake where my house almost collapsed and my neighbor's house literally split in two. And so when you walked into the house after the earthquake, you could see this chasm, this giant split in, in, in his kitchen floor. And I don't know how many feet it went down, but it was scary and eerie looking. And all these people who were my neighbors, you know, we were somewhat conversational. They ended up coming to my house because our house was on the end of the cul-de-sac. So they came to my house to, to kind of camp out because the aftershocks of the Northridge earthquake were like going on for months, and especially the night of the early morning or night of the earthquake. And, and out of the blue, all, my secular neighbors, I didn't even know they knew this much about me, but they, they kept asking me out of the blue, Paul, is this, speaking of the earthquake, is this one of the signs of the times that Jesus Christ was talking about? So my secular neighbors kept saying to me, are these the signs of the times that Jesus Christ is talking about? I mean, everywhere I went, even people I didn't never met before came up to me. Some knew I was a Christian author. Most didn't know what I did. And for some, I mean, I'd be in a, in a, a store, and somebody would ask me the question out of the blue. It was really weird. So, so the experience of going through the Northridge earthquake literally shook the foundations of my house, where it almost collapsed, but by the grace of God, it, it made it through the earthquake. But it also shook my, my theological position at that time in my life. This is back when the Northridge earthquake happened. And I recognized, and so it's potentially very dangerous to build your theology from experience. But, but this experience was so overwhelming, the Northridge earthquake, that, that it caused me to rethink my position on Bible prophecy. And I began to realize that I'd already written books on the New World Order and the One World Government and the One World Religion and the One World Economic System and stuff like that. Um, I'd written a number of books on that subject. And so that wasn't, that wasn't the issue. The issue was... I was somewhat blasé, somewhat indifferent, somewhat callous about actually claiming and saying out loud that I believed that it was very possible that the Lord could return in our lifetime, and that the signs of the times were indeed accelerating. Now, this is decades ago. So that was a turning point for this ministry and me, Paul McGuire. And so I, it caused me, decades and decades ago, it caused me to, to uh, emphasize Bible prophecy and talk about all the stuff that the overwhelming number of Christians never talked about. I mean, it was like there was like some invisible censorship. And, I, you know, it was—I've never been a real farmer, but I've seen farmers farm in, you know, digging up hard ground uh, to plant the seed and then nurturing the soil in order to grow whatever you're growing. But that initial phase in planting seeds is you have to cultivate the soil and break up the hard ground. Otherwise, the seed will just bounce off the hard, the hard ground. And so in the early days of my ministry, uh, following the Northridge earthquake, I began to more boldly speak out about Bible prophecy and focused on Bible prophecy, along with globalism and the global economic system and all the other things that go along with it. 
And I couldn't believe the resistance that I met, that I was met with, especially from Christian leaders, churches, and many Christians. They did not want to hear it, period. And even though the signs of the times were getting stronger and stronger, like they are now, I mean, right now where you and I are in America and the EU and the rest of the world, the, the rapidity of the signs of the times is like it's, it's moving with lightning speed. I mean, you can, you can project with, with very little difficulty that I believe that without any question that the existence of a viable uh, microchip implant, biochip implant, nanochip implant, whatever specific technology you want to use, I believe that the mark of the beast technology has already been invented. It's already in use in certain areas. Uh, and, and it's not like they're waiting to, to invent something. They, they decades ago have manufactured and created the mark of the beast technology. It's just now they're talking about it blatantly out in the open. And I write about this in my books like Power from on High and The Greatest Battle and A Prophecy of the Future of America and The Day the Dollar Died. The, it, 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 there are competing technologies. I can't tell you exactly which technology, but it could be, it could be the neural implant, which is a nanochip in the human brain, or it could be in, placed in the body somewhere. And that, that enables a person to be a broadcasting system and a receiving system. And that could be transformed into the mark of the beast. What would show you that? What would make that a, uh, real to you? How you discern the signs of the times, how you understand that is not by acting in a hysterical manner, but by understanding that the technology exists the desire by the globalists who control planet earth very much exists a, a a manufactured global financial crisis is being triggered in order to facilitate the acceptance the marketing the distribution and yes the mass acceptance by billions of people who will willingly receive the mark of the beast in the form of a nanochip implant, a biochip implant, a microchip implant, or, or other technologies. I write about this in Power from on High in the books I just mentioned. They're at, available at a discount at paulmcguire.us. And um, that technology exists. Now, what is required is that a system has to become fully public, not, not partially public. A system has to become fully public. A, a global economic system has to emerge publicly in which the deal is this. You're offered uh, to, to be able to participate in the economic system, the health system, to buy and sell, et cetera, et cetera. But the condition is you have to reject Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you have to pledge and accept to worship the Antichrist as God. And after you do that ceremony where you reject Jesus Christ as your Savior and God, and you accept and pledge to worship the Antichrist as God, they put an implant in you, a neural implant, a nanochip, any number of wireless technologies. That then would be taking the mark of the beast. Why? Because it's not officially the mark of the beast unless you know with your conscience and consciously, unless you know that what you're doing is specifically rejecting Jesus Christ as God in order to get your nanochip implant or whatever, and you're pledging to worship the Antichrist as God. So what you're doing in an open ceremony of some kind is you're throwing away the biblical God in your Savior, Jesus Christ. You're making the willful decision to reject Christ and you're making the willful, conscious decision to worship the Antichrist as God. That very ceremony is proof and constitutes the realization and the emergence of what the Bible is talking about when it talks about the mark of the beast 
666. That's a description of how one rejects Christ, receives the Antichrist in terms of worship, and 666 is a coded system that interfaces with AI, artificial intelligence, wireless technologies, and a one-world banking system. And of course, it's sold to the naive and the uneducated as a blessing. It's not a blessing. It will be. The people who accept the mark of the beast will experience the greatest betrayal, live through a living hell, and they will be separated. Those that accept the mark of the beast will be separated for all eternity from the true God. They will not be allowed to enter heaven. And we are literally on the precipice of of this event happening. Now, what does that mean? That means that if we want to obey God, like the pilgrims and Puritans, if we want to see God's supernatural power, if we want to see God's supernatural blessing, if we want to see God's supernatural guidance and God's supernatural help, God's supernatural defense, if we want to see God's power released in America through biblical revival, I'm not saying America is, you know, everybody's going to become a Christian. I'm not saying that. But if we want to see God move with his power, his authority, his majesty and lordship, if we want to see that, then we have to be positionally right. We need to get our hearts right before God. And that starts now. It's not a game. I'm not playing games. You're not playing games. And right now, I know that I know that I know from a confirmation of the Holy Spirit inside me. Or, or you could call it a gift of the Holy Spirit operate, operating inside me that the Bible talks about. We're all given different spiritual gifts. And right now, in my inner man, the Holy Spirit, through a still small voice, I have a supernatural awareness of God's presence at this very moment. And as I am paying attention to the presence of the Lord, And as I am aware of the fact that this message is going out all across the United States and the world through Paul McGuire Ministries and our social media outreach, that right now at this nanosecond, the presence of God is ministering to you in a profound way. You can literally sense the presence of the Lord coming upon you, and you can sense the presence of the Lord moving in your heart and mind as you heard me talk about the book of Revelation and the uh, nanoship implant and the mark of the beast, 666, and those matters, you could sense the presence of the Lord beginning to move into our conversation together. And the presence of the Lord is ministering to you and ministering to me. Now, if you listen, if you, you have to train yourself to do this. You have to discipline yourself. You basically have to say, shut up to the endless blabbering of your inner mind and consciousness, because it's all of us are the same. And in deep in our inner selves, we incessantly chatter or talk to ourselves, not, not in a psychologically crazy way, just we're preoccupied with all this, you know, stuff. But you train yourself that when you sense the presence of the Lord moving in your life, we you sense the presence of the Lord coming upon you, you train yourself to Keep your ear fixed and focused and concentrate and listen and pay heed to what the Lord is saying to you now as you sense his presence. So what is the Lord saying to you right now with his presence? He's reminding you of the lateness of the hour prophetically. He's reminding you through his presence that you were called for such a time as this and that he knew you before the foundation of the world. And as you train your ear to hear the still, small voice of the Lord, if you humble yourself, which simply means you lay down your pride, you lay down your know-it-all attitude, you, you lay down your defiance and your resistance, all of us are guilty of those sins, and we all have to repent of them. As you lay that down at the feet of Jesus, and you embrace what God is saying, you can hear the Lord. It's not a tangible, it's not a tangible, out loud, physical voice. It's the spiritual voice of the Lord. It's the still, small voice of the Lord. And you can sense and hear the Lord speaking to you. And as he speaks to you, 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 you feel yourself being filled supernaturally 
with the presence of the Lord, and you feel yourself you feel yourself being filled with the supernatural promises of the Lord, and you feel yourself being ministered to supernaturally with the peace of God. Right at this moment, the peace of God is ministering to you. The peace of God that passes all human or intellectual understanding, because it's it's greater than that. It's the peace of God that passes all understanding is ministering to you. And if you listen carefully, you can hear the still small voice of the Lord, and he's speaking to you now. And he's saying that he wants to comfort you with his spirit and his promises and his word. And he doesn't want you to be frightened. And he's asking you to release with an act of your will. Just let go of it right now. Let go of fear. Stop holding on to it. It's it's a profane fear is a profane thing. Fear is a demonic spirit. You have no business holding on to fear. Holding on to fear is the equivalent of holding on to the serpent of old. Let go of it. Let go of that spirit of fear right now. No, don't you don't have this is kind of bizarre, but you don't have to be afraid of letting go of the spirit of fear. Call the devil's bluff right now and just simply step out on faith. Step out on a mustard seed of faith and let go of the spirit of fear. And as you chose to do that right at this very moment, the Spirit of God is coming upon you and ministering to you and filling you with strength and power and healing and a fresh infilling with the Holy Spirit. And we all, I don't care what your theology is, and I'm not here to argue theology, we all, all, every one of us, need to be on a regular basis filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, I know the, the, the various doctrinal debates. But any way you slice the various doctrinal debates, the central truthful theme of the Scripture is we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that may mean, just like Jesus did, he, he pulled himself away from ministry, he pulled himself away from the crowds, and he waited on the Lord, and he prayed on the Lord, because G- even Jesus knew he couldn't do anything without the power of the Father moving through him. And you and I don't have the strength or the power to be victorious and accomplish God's purposes. We don't have the power in and of our human selves. We need the supernatural power of God. So we let go of the spirit of fear. And once once you let go of the spirit of fear, it's gone. It's gone. Many of you, right at this second, know what I'm talking about. Because gently and quietly, the fear that has been tormenting you has exited your life and your mind. The fear that, that was attacking you and tormenting you is gone. Right now, it's a miracle, and you know it's a miracle, because it's, it's miraculous. And it happened because when God's Spirit began to move into your life through His presence, that drove fear out of your life. And so you, were, you, were, you have been just set free. Now rejoice in being set free in the power of the Lord. And now that you've let go of the spirit of fear— Open your arms and worship privately to the Lord and ask Him to fill you to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to clothe you with power from on high. Ask Him to give you power from on high. Ask Him to teach you about the authentic and biblical uh, teachings that are based on sound doctrine of the works of the Holy Spirit and receive the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, the moment you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior and, and was born again, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, came in you. So the moment you were saved, the Spirit of Jesus came into you when you were born again. And the Spirit of Christ in you, the Holy Spirit, has never left you. And I can't tell you, and I've talked to some of the greatest and smartest men of God in the world during my lifetime. And they can't tell you either, in their private, honest moments. I've talked to many of these people. Many of them, you would know their names. And, and, and they would talk to me privately, and they'd say, you know, they would confide that they don't understand a lot of the things, and neither do I, because it's, it's, it's the ways of God. But it's also important to make sure, and I can't tell you technically the dynamics of, on how this works, but it's also important to make sure that, that in addition to receiving the Spirit, the Holy Spirit at salvation, 
that you, on an ongoing basis, drink in the Holy Spirit. Allow yourself on a regular basis to be filled with the Holy Spirit, because apart from the Holy Spirit, you can't do anything. So we can win this spiritual battle in America if we use the supernatural weapons of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, that God has given us. If we go into spiritual battle and simply use human, carnal, human strength, we're going to lose. The course and future of America can be changed to whatever degree that God will allow it. Your course, your future, your children's future, and so on and so forth, or until the Lord returns, the the curse can be removed from their lives, from your nation's life, and the blessing of God can be imparted to you, because God is sovereign. That means he's all-powerful. The devil doesn't control the events. The devil does not control the agenda. Are you listening to what I'm saying? It is a lie of Satan because Satan is a liar. When Satan and his agents say that there is no God, that's a lie, first of all. Because they wouldn't be saying that there is no God if indeed there wasn't a God. The very fact, on a rational, logical basis, the very fact that they have to say that there is no God so repetitively is literally final proof that there is a God, because nobody who's sane would spend their time arguing against something that is not there. So they condemn themselves by their own arguments. The very fact that they spend so much time telling everybody that there is no such thing as God is impeccable proof that indeed there is a God. And so they're defeated. I need your help. I need you to go to the Lord while you're still, please listen to me. While you're still in the presence of the Lord, while you're still hooked up to the Lord and you're listening for him, and you don't blow that aside, that's holy ground. You've entered holy ground. And as you've entered holy ground and you can sense the presence of the Lord, I'm asking you to pray for me and this ministry and those who make this ministry happening. And I'm asking you to simply ask the Lord while you're in his presence, ask the Lord what would he have you donate or give financially or contribute to help this ministry reach more people and to help win the spiritual battle and save souls? And just take a moment and ask the Lord to put it on your heart how much he wants you to give in terms of a dollar amount. And no matter how small or no matter how large, the issue is obeying God no matter what he says. The issue is not the amount. The issue is your willingness to obey God. Now, this isn't manipulation, but but you have to take the truth with it. And the truth with it, according to Deuteronomy 28, is when you obey the Lord and you give the, the Lord your heart, soul, mind, life, and you obey God and you know the Lord, if the Lord directs you to give a specific amount to help this ministry accomplish his agenda, God promises to meet your needs over and above anything you could possibly imagine by blessing your work, by blessing what you put your hand to in life, by by opening doors, by giving you favor. You know, many of us, including myself, made the mistake for years in our lives of struggling, and everything was up to our blood, sweat, and tears and hard work. And God loves us, and he blesses us. But everything good in my life has been from the Lord's blessing, the Lord opening a door, the Lord giving me favor, the Lord touching somebody like you now, or or uh, some miraculous way, a door opening, or his supernatural protection and covering. And God will do all of that. This is what I want to send you home with right now. I'm talking about a home not your eternal home. But this is what I want to impart with you. This is my gift to you, the truth. When you take baby steps to walk with the Lord supernaturally, God will honor that, and the blessing of the Lord will be upon your life. The favor of God will be upon your life. You will just, a lot of people go, God isn't answering my prayers. I can tell you really easily why God isn't answering your prayers. It's because whether you want to fess up to it or not, you are rejecting him and worshiping idols. 
That blocks the power of God. You're not going to see God answer your prayers if you're violating the commandments of God and worshiping idols. And you can deny it until the, the cows come home. But that's God's law. So it's his law of sowing and reaping. So I'm giving you an opportunity. And I simply ask you to, whatever the Lord tells you to do, do. And then I need you to be a militant intercessory prayer warrior for me and my family in this ministry. I need you to spread our links far and wide. I'm being threatened by Google and this one and that one and the other. And they never tell you what, what you supposedly did wrong. And you know what? In, in, any, in every single case where I've been kicked off, right now I'm, I'm kicked off Google, okay? And I was threatened by Google, and others are too, and, and other social media. And what, and what was I kicked off for? Telling the truth, speaking the truth in love. So the price tag for speaking the truth in love is they kick you off the big social media. Now, if you compromise and never speak the truth and never tell the truth and never shine the light, then they'll leave you alone. But if you speak the truth, they're going to kick you off. But guess what? In my heart and in my mind, I know this truth, and I want to give you this truth as a gift. I don't own it. It's God's. But I want to give you this truth right now before we, before we depart for today. I don't care. I mean, I do care. I do care in a momentary, practical, logistical sense, the availability of social media platforms. But ultimately, my job is to obey God and to trust God. And that means I know as a foundational fact of truth that it is God Almighty, the biblical God, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is he alone that is my source. Google is not my source. Got it? Facebook is not my source. Got it? No man or woman is my source. Got it? Jesus is my source. Jesus is your source. And if I'm obeying him, and doing what he told me to do, which is to speak the truth in love, and I get persecuted or rejected or banned, then so be it, baby. So be it. I draw a line in the sand, and you have too. That's why you listen. Only people who love God would listen to this program. I draw a line in the sand just like you have. And it's just, I'm not going to cross it. I will not bow to the gods of Baal, whether they're called Google, Facebook, or whatever. I will not bow to them. I will only bow to Jesus Christ. I need your help, man. I'm telling you that. Prayers, contributions. This is not a, this is not a rehearsal. This is it. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. Yeah.